Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure and an opportunity to stand before you uh, and take over Pastor Karawa's role. <laughs> um, uh, we thank God. Uh, the word of God must be preached in season and out of season uh, as the Lord provides the opportunity. Uh, uh, thank you very much for coming to uh, worship at this church. We believe in the authority of the scriptures, uh, in the inherence of the scriptures. In other words, uh, God has blessed us with the, with, with the word. It is infallible. There's no mistake. And when we open it, it is a thus says the Lord. So this morning, um, we will look at the word of God. But before we do that, I will just say uh, something about Questions. Asking questions is a God-given natural instinct by which we attain knowledge and it helps us explore the world around us. Uh, I know many of us, for us to be where we are now, we came through schooling. When you are in class, the teacher after he has spoken and he asks he, his children, these students, do you understand? And then the students do not ask questions. The teacher feels a bit let down by the students. And many of us who came to Rustenburg on your first day or you know, on your debut in, in Rustenburg, uh, you depended on asking questions to find your way. Am I right? Yeah. When I came here, for me to locate this place, I had to ask someone, where, where is that CBC uh, church? Uh -huh. So uh, asking questions is part of what God has given us, and it is what opens up the world for us. Uh, one thing you did right after asking was that you acted on the knowledge you gained. And most of us are here today because we acted on the results of the questions that we asked. So it is a wonderful thing to ask questions. When you sit down, most of you will do this. When you go home this evening, probably you'll be watching television. The journalists are trained in the uh, 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 field of asking questions. What they do is they prompt the uh, 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 those people that have got interest in or something that is of value and then when they probe them with questions they end up unveiling a lot of information that becomes news to us so asking questions is something that is good in workplaces there are manufacturers who produce manuals or, do or, or, or documents to support a machinery that has been delivered. In some of those documents, there is something that is tempered and written. If in doubt, ask. If in doubt, ask. Or if you go in to buy a new appliance and then you open it, there is that element that they tell you that if you don't know, you must ask. Or you must go and look for somebody who is trained in that particular area. Mm -hmm. So, why they do it that way is they want to prevent you from doing the wrong thing. 
they want to prevent you from killing yourself or killing the machine. So they say, if you are in doubt, ask. Today, our learning stems from uh, this approach. There was a young man who came to the Lord with a very important question, which I consider, this question I consider, it is so important that every human being on earth must ask and get an answer to that question. The title of this message this morning is the most noble question one can ever ask. The most noble question one can ever ask. The most important question, the most wonderful question that all of us must be able to ask. Our reading comes from Mark chapter 10, from verse 17 to 27. The most noble question one can ever ask. If you found Mark chapter 10 from verse 17 to 27, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you like, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful portion of scripture that we are learning from this morning. We pray that you might open our spiritual eyes, give us wisdom to be able to understand what you meant. Help us, O oh God, as we need to learn from your feet, for we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the scripture that we are talking about this man who came to the Lord and he asked the question what must I do 
to inherit eternal life. The context that we, we learn from there is uh, before, we, before this event happened, before this narration happened, Jesus is continuing his ministry in the plains of Judea, uh, 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 in the plains of, uh, of, of, of Jordan. He's slowly making his way uh, to Jerusalem for the ultimate sacrifice he was about to go and, and, and give to humankind. He has just been put to taste in the first few scriptures of, of Mark 10 by the Pharisees who came to him with a very tricky uh, question about divorce. Very, very interesting how the Lord answered that question of, 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 of divorce uh, when he said that God, uh, Moses granted uh, them to divorce because of the hardness of their hearts. It was because of the hardness of their hearts that he allowed them that they might uh, 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 go ahead and give a divorce certificate. But in God's design, it wasn't the case. So Jesus is explaining this to the, to the disciples. And then we, as we go on, the, there is an, a, 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 an event that happens when the children are being brought by their mothers to the Lord. During those days, the rabbis uh, 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 would bless uh, the children when they are brought to them. Now, when these children were being brought, the kids were being brought to Jesus. The disciples blocked the children, blocked these mothers from bringing the children uh, to Jesus. And Jesus was quite, quite indignant. He was quite, quite angry and said to the disciples, why are you doing this? Don't stop them. You know, then he allows the children uh, 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 and he blesses them. Uh, then now, we come on to verse, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, after he has finished dealing with these two issues, as he started on his way, a man came running up to him and he fell on his knees. What a wonderful approach. This man was full of zeal. He wanted to, you can, you can see the way he came to the Lord. In contrast, in sharp contrast to the, to the Pharisees who had come to trick him. This man is coming with a genuine need. And what does he do? He just throws himself under the feet of, of the Lord. Who is this man? A bit of thorough looking at these passages because uh, uh, you will find out uh, who this man is. This, by the way, this scripture that we have read, it appears almost word for word, verbatim, here and there, in three Gospels. In the Gospel of Mark, in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of Luke. These scriptures appear as they are. Uh, that's Matthew chapter 19, from verse 16 to 26, you read about this rich young uh, man. In Luke chapter 18, from verse 8, 18 to 29, almost verse after verse, you read exactly the same narration about this rich young man. Who is this man? According to Matthew chapter 19, verse 20, he is a young man. He is a young man. This is good. You must note it. A young man coming to the Lord to ask 
the most noble question that each one of us must ask. Or if you have asked it, you must make a follow-up of that question. In the book of Mark that we've been reading, verse 20, we realize that this young man grew up in the church. He was there in the church. He was born there. Why? Because he actually says to the Lord, I have been keeping these things ever since I was a boy. In other words, he was brought up in the church. He was brought up in the church. Who is this young man? According to Luke 18, verse 18, that same scripture that I've been referring to, he is portrayed as a ruler. So in Luke, he is the rich young ruler. Uh -huh. uh, 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 he, 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 he is a ruler. In other words, he could have been probably a judge or he could have been a, 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 some eminent person in the, in, in, in the community. Maybe he was a counselor. Maybe, maybe he was a mayor we, 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 in, in modern days. He was someone who enjoyed that status, that noble status. Then something that comes up again in that passage. He was very rich. He was wealth. He had great wealth. He was very rich. To the ordinary people, here is a man who enjoyed God's blessing. Having uh, riches during this period of time, it was almost synonymous with God's blessing. Isn't it? Uh -huh. So that's why even the disciples, they, later on they ask a question, who then can be saved? Why? Because the rich uh, during that time, when, when you look at them, they were enjoying God's blessing and they were almost like people who are closer there, closer closer to, to the kingdom. What did he do? He came running and fell on his knees. In contrast to the Pharisees who tricked Jesus, here is a man who was almost spiritual. Here is a man who, though he was, he, he had this uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, description around him, who also had a, 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 a place for the Lord in his life. He wanted to know about eternal life. This man, look at him from, from this angle. He wanted to know. He knew that he wasn't enough. He's keeping of the law. He was keeping the law. He knew that he wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. He still needed to know. Good Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Mark it. He say, then says to the Lord, good teacher, why does this man start by addressing the Lord uh, uh, and referring to the Lord as being good? It's, it's almost flattery, you know, flattery, that language. We have said that this young man was a ruler. This young man occupied a certain position in society of, of, of eminence. In other words, when he addresses the Lord as being saying, good teacher, probably he's saying, he is a man who is almost like me. So, your royal highness, he, 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 you see how he is trying to, to flatter the Lord. Maybe he expected the Lord also to say to him, yes, your worship. You know, yeah, yeah. So, he's coming with a bit of flattery to the Lord. And then, why? 
uh, the rabbis of that day never wanted to be referred to as being good. Yeah. Now, this young man addresses the Lord as being good. The Lord then responds with a question to him, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Take note of that. Why do you call me good? Why? Because goodness is an attribute of the Lord. Goodness is a perfection of the Lord. Only the Lord is good. And the Jewish uh, rabbis, those Pharisees, they knew that. Only the Lord is good. And what does the Lord do? Using that same question, he, 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 he then he affirms his date. He affirms that he is God. Because only God is good. So that's the first answer that we get from, 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 from when the Lord gave that rhetoric question. Why do you call me good? Jesus affirmed his date. He never rebuked him, really. He never rebuked him, but he then explained to him that no one is good except God alone. So in other words, Jesus is God. Now to the eternal question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I've said this question appears word for word in three Gospels. In the Gospel of Matthew, it is exactly the same thing. What must I do to inherit eternal life? In the Gospel of Luke, the same thing. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a very, very important question. And as we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating, we are saying that, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore Christ. Because he came to answer this question for us. He came to, to, to make it easy for us. Yeah. That's exactly why we are celebrating. It is the answer to this question as the Lord came here. This question, I would like you to see the other format which it takes. In John chapter 3, verse 4, it says, How can a man be born again when he is old? How can a man be born again? Because the Lord says, Unless you are born again, you cannot have this eternal life. So in other words, this same question, we can word it, we can change it to say, How can a man be born again? In the book of Acts, it appears again. When the people had been pricked, when the, the word has been spoken to them, next to, they ask this question, what shall we do? What shall we do? Then Peter responds and says, repent and believe the gospel. So this question is a very, very important. It is the most, the fundamental, basic building block for which you come into a relationship with with God Almighty. It begins with this question. How can a man be born again? What must I do to be saved? Acts 16 verse 30. What must I do to be saved? How can a man be born again? Because if you are saved, then you have eternal life. Those who have eternal life are people who have believed the gospel. So, the Lord's answer to this question as we study our scripture, as we go on, the Lord goes on to say, you know the commandments? And in, in Matthew chapter 19, he actually, the Lord asks, asks him, in order to be saved, in order to have eternal life, 
obey the commandments. That was the Lord's answer. Obey the commandments. Jesus answered, you know the commandments. Or obey the commandments. What are the commandments? The commandments which say, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. If you look at, uh, 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 at, at Matthew, uh, the first thing when the Lord says, obey the commandments, the young men ask, actually ask, which ones? And then the Lord elaborates those few. He calls them uh, in random order, uh, uh, the, the, the ones that I've, 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 just, I've, I've just read. Why did the Lord do it this way? The Lord was reading through this young man. The Lord knew this young man. And then, he, 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 in fact, what is interesting is the young man is so confident about his position because he says, which ones? Which ones do you want me to obey? Isn't it? Because he, he, he has looked at himself. He has got this uh, history that from ever since he was a boy he has been keeping the commandments. Yeah. Which most of us may be uh, guilty of. Many of us, many of the people in the world are guilty of that. They think one day before God their works will be measured. The good things that they were keeping versus the bad things. And then when the good things outweigh the bad ones, then maybe they will, the Lord will smile at them. This is exactly the, the, the context in which this guy is coming. He's saying he has been good all the way. Jesus sums up for the man the commandments of the law that deal with the duty with your neighbor. If you look and analyze carefully, you will see that the commandments which the Lord quoted are those that do with the duty with your neighbor, how to relate with others. He does not as yet introduce the more searching question as to duty to God. If you realize very well, if you look at the commandments, there are those commandments, the first one, the Lord your God, you shall, you Remember the, 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 that, the first commandment according to Exodus 20 right, that tell you that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart is, is the summary. But it says uh, you shall not have any other gods before me. That is the duty to God. You shall not make an idol. Is the duty to God. And you shall not uh, uh, you shall keep this, the Sabbath and make it holy. It was the duty to God. And the Lord is not introducing those commandments to this young man at this juncture. He tells him about the duty to man. And then, what is the response of this young man? The response of this young man is, all these I've kept since I was a boy. He had a very nice uh, 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 history. He, 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 he indeed... That's why I said this young man's description is one young man who grew up in the church. He assumed that one could attain eternal life by, by doing something. Yeah. He, this is what was in him. He thought there was something that Jesus must just tell to him, which he must do. Since he wanted something he could do, wonderful thing, Jesus obliged him. 
He wanted something you could do. The Lord said, fine. You want something that, that you must do. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said to him, one thing you like. He said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and will have treasure in heaven. So, this was the response of the Lord. The Lord was just teaching him and telling him that at this level of uh, duty to men, you still haven't got there. You still lack. This is what you must do. Go. In fact, he's given four directives. Go. Sell everything you have. Give to the poor. Then come and follow me. He's given four directives. These commands stress that if one wants eternal life, everything depends on one's response to Jesus. He, if you wanted eternal life, it depended on, on how he was going to act on Jesus' response. What do we find that happened when the Lord has given him these directives? Verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad. Why? Because he had great wealth. This young man, he lacked trust and wanted to save God on his own terms. He lacked trust. It doesn't necessarily mean that for you to get eternal life today, the Lord is saying to you, go and sell everything. This was a particular application where the Lord was just trying to show to this young man that that law that he kept, he hadn't kept it perfectly as the Lord wanted it. He was still missing the mark. Go and sell everything and give to the poor. Knowing the commandments and faithfully keeping them does not secure eternal life for you. He was very sad. His face fell. He was pricked to the core. Why? Why was he so sad? Why, according to Wisby, he says, because money was his God, he worshipped it, he trusted it, and got fulfillment from it. So because money was his God, when he was told to go and get rid of your money and come and follow me, that was just exactly where the whole era, where the problem uh, uh, lie and he couldn't come to grips with that instruction from the Lord if he really loved his neighbors if you, if you read from, from I think Matthew it will tell you that he, he, it is quoted love your neighbor as part of the commandments if he really loved his neighbor as himself he would already been using his wealth in a different way if he really loved his neighbor, this young man should have been using his wealth for the good of others. But he still failed. You see, on those commandments, on the duty to men, he still failed. Alan Coates, he says, but his spiritual insight was not meshed by a readiness for committal, which would involve sacrifice. And so he went away sadly. In his case, the impediment was his wealth. Sooner than give it up, he gave up Jesus. Than giving up on his wealth, he gave up 
Jesus. This is what this young man did. He gave up an opportunity. Of all the people that the Lord came into contact with, this is one of the young men who went away in a worse off state than he first came to the Lord. All the people who had encounters with the Lord, they, were, they had happy endings. But in this guy's uh, situation, he went off much worse than before because of one thing that was in him. His basic error was uh, salvation or eternal life was something to be attained by his own efforts. This is what the crux of this whole matter. Salvation or to become a Christian is not through your effort. It's not through your effort of how good you keep the commandments. That will not in any way bring favor before you. Your own works will not get you anywhere. It is what the Lord was about to do. What the Lord was about to do. And the Lord says to him, Go, sell everything you have said, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. You have treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. Christ is emphasizing that our focal energy must be on eternal things. We must redirect our energy into those things that will give us eternity. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. The Lord says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven, where there is no moth and where there is no rust to destroy. For where your treasure is, your heart there will be, will be also. So, the Lord is teaching us that our energy, our energy must be directed towards eternal things. From verse 23 to 25, there is a bombshell that is dropped there. When the disciples then are listening and the Lord says to them, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? When the Lord says, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The Lord is not saying it is impossible for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He's saying it is hard. Why? The passage does not condemn being rich. E.g., for example, Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was very rich. And the Lord says, today I'll go and eat in your house. You know? So the Lord never condemned riches. But he condemns people who trust in their riches as a ticket to heaven. Jesus then uses hyperbole. Hyperbole is an expression that almost like is full of exaggeration in order to drive home a point. When the Lord says to the people, you, 
you want to, to remove the small stick in my eye, when in your eye there is a big log, the Lord was using hyperbole. He was using an expression that, that emphasizes that this is not the way to do it. And then the Lord says, it is easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle. You know, the camel was the biggest animal in Palestine that you can ever imagine of. In our case, we talk of an elephant. Yeah. In this case now, it was, the Lord says, it is easy. These are the words spoken by the Lord, and we must take them as they are. It is easy for an, a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than the rich man to enter heaven. Uh, 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 the Lord is putting the emphasis, is putting the emphasis there that uh, trusting in riches on your spiritual life, trusting in riches, the effect it has on your spiritual life is it will, it will really act against, it will... It, 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 you know, this young man, when he had met the Lord, instead of having a good time uh, with the Lord, he went off far west because he could, not get, he could not allow to get rid of his riches that he had, uh, that, 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 that he had gained. Those who are ruled by money cannot be ruled by God. That was the, 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 the message the Lord was driving home. If you are ruled by mammon, you cannot be ruled by God. And then the Lord says, elaborates, he says, with men, this is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. With God, everything is possible. That's the verse uh, 27. Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. God was trying to say that, you know, people were finding it very difficult what he had just said, that it is hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom. And then, because these disciples were used to thinking that a man who is so blessed, they've got a, 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 a free entry into heaven because they are enjoying the Lord's blessings, isn't it? It is easy for the rich man to enter heaven because they are being blessed by the Lord. This was apparent in the eyes of the, of the disciples. But the Lord is saying, maybe the disciples were saying, this man whom the Lord is turning off, he has got such resources that if we're going to use them for this ministry, we're going to do even much better. But the Lord is turning him off. Isn't but the Lord was driving a lesson, a very, very important lesson. Let us uh, bring this issue home. Let's bring it home. Did Jesus answer the question? Yes, certainly he answered the question. To have eternal life, Believe in the work of Christ for you. Galatians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus. So the Lord is saying to him, if you want to be justified, if you want to have eternal life, it's not what you have done. It's not through, because by keeping the law, if you read the, the uh, Galatians, if you read the uh, it, it, it's so clear, the book of Romans. If you read, by keeping the law, no flesh will be justified. You won't have God's favor because you have kept the law. In fact, if you want to keep the law, you must keep it perfectly. So the Lord is saying no flesh has been able to keep the law the way God desired it to. 
For as a result, you should put your trust in Christ. A man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus. Point number two, Christ calls for total commitment from the believers. Here, this man, in the case of this young man, Christ specifically requested him to demonstrate commitment by parting with his wealth. He, the Lord addressed him that if you want to have eternal life, part with your wealth and come put your trust in me. Trust that these poor guys you see I'm working with, they are still living, they are still in, uh, uh, able to, to, to meet their daily needs from the communities that we have. Come and be part of this community. That's what the Lord was addressing specifically to this young man. So for you, Christ calls for total commitment. He calls for total commitment. And you can only demonstrate uh, uh, this commitment by the third point, the call to all of us. Jesus said to him, when you have done this, after selling everything that you have and giving it to the poor, come and follow me. This is how the Lord responds to this young man. If you want eternal life, come, follow me. Get rid of everything that comes first in your life. Where your treasure is, your heart is. So the Lord is saying, get rid of everything that comes first in your life. Let me be first. The Lord desires total commitment. For you to have eternal life, go, come, trust in what I have done for you. Trust in what I have done for you. I think this is the message the Lord is saying to us. If you have been a Christian for this long, how is your following? Because the Lord says to this young man, when you have done this, come and follow me. So with these few words, may the Lord help us to evaluate our lives. Let's look at ourselves seriously and see to you who has not answered this question. The Lord is saying, John 3 verse 16, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that if you only believe in him, you may have life. He may not pass into condemnation. So to have eternal life has been put so straight today. The Lord calls you to come and believe in the work of Christ. So if there is anyone amongst us who hasn't believed, this is an opportunity to have this question answered. As we go through this first season, have this question answered in you. If you haven't asked, if you ask of the Lord today, the Lord is willing to answer you. To you who has been a Christian for so long, the Lord says, come, follow me. Total commitment is what the Lord requests of you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the lessons that we learned from the rich young ruler. Thank you, God, for the abundance of scriptures that describe the same event, the much emphasis that you put on these scriptures, it is for our good. Help us, O oh God, that each every individual who is here might find an answer to this question of eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for you have answered it fully by addressing us that if we believe in the work of Christ, we will have eternal life. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.